Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. We definitely want to uh, want to thank them for for sharing their testimony of what God has done and rooted. And if you will say, well, I don't know a whole lot about the Smiths, uh, it's, it's probably a great thing because they started out like we did. They're sitting in the pew. They're coming to know who Jesus is. They're coming to know what God has for them. They join a group they're unsure of called Rooted. They begin to go through the 10 weeks, and it challenges their faith and shapes them in such a way where they feel compelled to do what? To reach out with their own groups and... Within those groups, you have a testimony that comes of these men who accept Jesus Christ and what he has for their lives. And then baptism comes. And what you didn't see in that video is there was a baptismal day to where those men in that small group were baptized. So there's a greater accountability. There's a greater leadership that comes out of that, an ownership of our faith. And it's something I would highly encourage you to plug into in your own way. So, so please check into that, sign up for that, and be a part of that. Today we're looking at Paul's testimony. And we're looking at Acts chapter 22, verses 1 through 16. So if you will open up your copy of God's Word, or look in the pew in front of you, and you'll see a copy of the Bible there. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, so... Uh, it may be a little different than what you might have, but we're looking at his testimony. So what is our Christian testimony? Testimony can mean witness. It was originally used in the court of law within the Old Testament. It was also the term that, that actually appears in support of Christian beliefs about Jesus. So here's where we're looking at it today. We look at the testimony. If you look at John the Baptist, you saw what, what was John the Baptist testifying about? He was testifying about the coming of the Lord. He was testifying that he was greater that was coming than even he. He was in the wilderness doing that. But there's a greater thing that's told in Acts. Acts, the book of Acts, is an eyewitness testimony. When someone is an eyewitness, they have pretty good credibility, right? Because they know facts and they know things that nobody else knows because they were there. They experienced the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Imagine seeing Jesus go through all of that face to face and seeing the life change that comes out of that. I believe we all take that same approach when Christ reaches out to us, affords us redemption, affords us eternal life, helps us understand very much who we are and what we should be about in this world. It is our witness to the world. It is the Holy Spirit in us. And it is a witness that we are to have even until death. And there are many in the Bible that we deem martyrs that gave their lives for the way which Jesus taught. 
Meaning that they believe with such veracity and, and such, you know, heartfelt in that, that they were willing to die for what they believed in. They, they believed so much so that Jesus was the way that the Old Testament talks about and proclaims that they were willing to follow him no matter what the cost happened to be. And if you ever want to look back at what could happen if you follow Jesus, go back and look at the disciples and look at how they passed away or how they were killed or how they were how they in that way were forever changed so our defense we should have in order that we might tell the story our defense should actually encompass all aspects of our life so our testimony should talk about every corner of our lives because he wants us to be totally sold out like the, like the disciples were, like many others have been who have given their life on foreign soil and even here in America for the faith that they believe. And, and so C.T. Studd said this, some want to live within the sound of chapel or church bell. I want to run a rescue shop within the yard of hell. I was like, man, that sounds like something we want to do. We want to fight for an almighty God who is real and active and faith. Faith centers around what we can't see, but we believe we'll return one day in Jesus Christ. Acts 22 verse 1 says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. In other words, he's saying, listen up. He's saying, I want your attention. He said, you know what? There's so many things that are vying for your attention that I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. And I know that even today, there's so many things that are pulling at you for your attention to get you off course with where God wants you to go. There's so many things that are trying to get you and your life and your family in a different direction. The world around us is pulling in so many different ways. They're pulling in so many ways, but we are to listen to his defense, which he offers. But we're to do so with courage and boldness. That means that we're going to stand out, right? That means that we, like Paul, are going to have to endure hardships. We, like Paul, are going to have to be willing to do what nobody else will. We're going to have to swim against what's coming against us. We're going to have to stand against and remain rooted in what we believe. With courage and boldness, it's a certain belief that we understand that Jesus Christ was everything He said He was, and we believe that He is that very way. And so in doing so, whatever comes our way, whatever happens in our life, whatever happens to us, is all for the gain of the kingdom. And so for us, we have to look at it in that courage and that boldness that we ought to have. Verse 2 in Acts 22, it says this. It says, And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And then he said this. And so, so Paul is leading in to give his testimony, his story of faith, his understanding of what Christ did in his life. And if you are a Christian believer, you have a story to tell that is unlike anybody else around you. You have a story to tell. Your life and how Christ entered your life and how Christ has changed your life and you've grown in your faith, that's your story. But at the core of your story is telling about Jesus Christ. Amen? We have a story to tell. The story is ours, but the story is about Jesus. 
Jesus who came and died for us. So here's Paul's testimony. Now this defines who Paul is, but it also tells you a little background on Paul. It says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in the city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you are today. So in other words, he was very much indebted to the law, the teachings, the religious leadership. In other words, he had his mind made up on what he ought to be about. And he was very much a rules and a this is what we do and this is how we do it. So in verse 4 it says, I persecuted this way to the death. You might notice, if you're reading the same version I am, that the word way is capitalized. It signifies the way, being those who followed Jesus Christ, those who believed that He was the Messiah, that He was the promised one, those who followed Him where He went and listened to His teachings and allowed for it to change their lives. So I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. Also, as also the high priest and the council of elders can testify, from them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were, were to, there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. So he's saying, look, this is what my life was about. I was about persecuting Christians according to the way. I was about doing everything I could to stop this Jesus of Nazareth. I was willing to do whatever it took to wipe them out. And he did good at what he did. And so he was on his way to continue doing what he was doing. And then what happens? The Lord got his attention. Has the Lord gotten your attention this morning? Has the Lord gotten your attention? Maybe you were gone about doing your weekly things, or maybe you've lived a life where you know Jesus has called you and called you and called you, and you said, I've got better things to do. Or you said, I'm not willing to respond, or I'm not willing to do the tough things, or, or maybe I'm just at the beginning of my faith, and I'm not willing to go through those hardships. I'm not willing to endure difficulty. But I believe this was one of those moments to where Paul had one of those two by four type moments where it just, it was all the Lord that got his attention and there was no denying. Now imagine you were traveling down the roadway and you're going somewhere, you and your friends, and then you see a bright light and the Lord brings to you the very sin that you're so invested and that has everything to do with you, and so you cannot go around it, but only you hear it. Everybody else just sees the light. This is kind of what happened here. Verse 6, it says, but, I, but it happened that I was on my way, approaching Damascus at noontime. A very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now this is very interesting because his next response shouldn't be his response, should it? 
Because if he's doing what he believes is right, and he's living in a zealous manner, and he's going out and doing the things that he believes is of God or of these religious leaders and so forth, he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, and he said this, he said, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. Now imagine the way that you're living your life was something that was leading others away from the gospel. And you're being held accountable in this moment because you believe all the things which you're doing are good things or, or well things or, or things that benefit. But then you actually find out that you're hurting the very cause that you stand for. I began to think about this in, in modern terms. How many of us ever ignore a person's call or text? Does anybody ever ignore a person's call or text? Don't act like you don't. Some of you are looking right now at me and saying, uh, yep. We ignore calls or texts sometimes when we don't want to either deal with what that person has that we know they're bringing to us or we simply just don't want to talk to them. So only Paul in this, only Paul knew what was being said to him. But I began to think about it in this way. How many times has Jesus spoken to you and you've ignored his call? How many times has Jesus said, I'm going to bring the light, I'm going to bring everything I can bring, but you've got to respond to what's being said. What I'm doing, you have to engage with. What you're doing, you have to abandon, and you have to change. Verse 9 says this, And those who were with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. So he calls in that moment, Paul to obey even when he could not see. That's faith, y'all. That's obedience when we cannot see what happens tomorrow. When we don't know what's going to go on this week. When we don't know the certainty of whether our job is going to last or the next doctor visit is going to be a bad one or we don't know what's going to happen when our kids are sick or we don't know or understand what's going on around us. Even when Paul could not see, he followed the Lord. And so let's look at verse 10. It says, And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go on into Damascus, and there you will be told all of that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. So he had his plan. The Lord got his attention. And now he's blinded and has to rely on his people who are with him to help him continue on that journey. But what I want you to know is not only did the Lord call him, but the Lord provided for him. He provided Ananias for Paul. Now when Ananias heard about Paul, can you imagine what he'd heard about? He had heard about his reputation, right? He said, you're going to send me to reach out to Saul, to Paul, to the one who is probably going to imprison me or kill me or, or do something to my family. This guy is bad news. This guy is a bad dude. But God says, no, I want you to go there. And I want you to reach out to him. 
And I think that's a pattern for us because we need one another also, don't we? There's a lot of times that we go through life's difficulties or we go through the hardest times in life or we simply need a friend or we need some spiritual guidance in a time to which maybe we don't know what we ought to do next and we need somebody that's willing to do the will of the Lord and speak that into our lives. And this is what happens when, when he comes alongside of Paul. It says in verse 12 through 13, a certain Ananias, a man who is devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near me, he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. Now, if you were to read that, you might say, well, well maybe Ananias was Baptist. Because he said, Brother and that's a lot of times how we talk to one another. But to me, when you say brother, that's a significant term because it, it has a more intimate meaning than hey you over there. Or hey you. It's God has given me a purpose that I cannot turn to the left or to the right. I've got to actually walk into. And so because he does that, he was able to look up at him. And so we see this here. Uh, Ananias goes to Paul and says this to Paul, God has a plan for your life. How many of you this morning believe that God has a plan for your life? And that plan for your life is greater than anything you can do on your own. Because the reality is, we say God has a plan for our life, but here's what I want to do. God has a plan for our life, and, and in, unless we follow that plan... We'll never be fulfilled. We'll never be happy. We'll never find enjoyment in this life. We'll never find fulfillment in the purpose of God. How many people accepted Jesus' calling because of Paul's belief? Because of Paul's submission to God. There are many that still tell the story of Christ's redemption in his life on that Damascus road that still says, if there's hope for Saul, there's hope for me. If there's hope for me, there's hope for the world around me. So God has a plan for his life. Verse 14, and he said, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. He was inviting him to be saved in Jesus Christ. He was inviting him to change his life. He was inviting him to abandon the old way that he was living and embrace the new that he was being called to. He was inviting him to know and to live so changed by Jesus Christ that the whole world would be changed because of him. There's times in our lives where God is calling us to step out in areas that we are uncertain of, but we have a certain God. 
There's times where He's calling us to do things that we're not comfortable with. And that's great because that's where God comes in and says, I'll give you the words to say. I'll give you the direction if you'll trust me today. and You'll trust me with what you want me to do. God, I'll, I know that you have a plan and it will be to fulfillment. And if I am there and I need encouragement, I'll have somebody that comes along that encourages me, that walks with me, that helps me. How far-reaching into the recesses of your life does your testimony encompass? In other words, you could ask it a different way. How deep are your roots and how wide are your branches? In other words, you and I ought to be maturing and growing in our faith. And that means that we've got to move from the familiar to the unknown. We've got to move to a life of faithfulness to a faithful God who calls us to do things that we can't do on our own, right? Because if it was us doing it on our own, guess who we would look at? We'd say, look at what I did. Instead of saying, look at what God has done in my life, despite of me. You know, in spite of everything that I've done, in spite of everything that I've been about in life, God has done some things that are unbelievably God. Are your roots deep and branches wide? Also, we look at it this way. When the Lord gets our attention like He did Paul, then we are left with a choice, aren't we? We are left with a choice of salvation leading to life change or denying Him and remaining in the quicksand that is within our lives called sin. And it doesn't lead to a good road when we go into sin. It leads to destruction and despair. It leads us in the wrong manner. Quicksand, I believe, is dangerous. But eternity in hell should frighten us even more. Have you accepted the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior? If not, why not here? Why not now? Years ago, George Whitfield, at the age of 16, became deeply convicted of sin. He tried everything possible to erase his guilt through religious activity. You see where this is going. He wrote, I fasted for 36 hours twice a week. I prayed formal prayer several times a day and almost starved myself to death during Lent, but only felt more miserable. Then by God's grace, I met Charles Wesley, who put a book in my hand which showed me from the scriptures that I must be born again or be eternally lost. He says, finally, by the work of the Holy Spirit in his heart, he came to know or understand Jesus' words in John 3. He believed and was gloriously saved. After that, he became a preacher. He spoke at least a thousand times of the subject, ye must be born again. He fervently desired that all who heard him might experience the transforming power of God's grace. The transforming power of God's grace saved him, set him on a path that he did not expect, and did something he could not deny or turn away from. I think about Paul's testimony in that way, but I also think about it this way, that we need him to work in our lives. See, Paul responded to the Lord, and unlike ignoring a text, the Lord sees our hearts and wants us to know him. See, that's the, that's the one remarkable fact of it all. The Lord sees our hearts. 
and still desires to know us. Now you imagine if everybody knew the ugly that lived on the inside of us all. Some of us wouldn't have the friends that we have or the people around us that we have, right? But the Lord sees us, and He sees what we could be if we followed Him. The Lord sees us and redeems us. The Lord is willing to take us, the mess that we are, and do something extraordinary that only He can do. He will give divine purpose to our lives. There's so many people that are looking for the reason that they're here or what God has for them. Or they're looking out to the world and saying, why am I here? And we need to be truth bearers that do tell them the good news. But, but I'm also reminded of because of this passage is that we desperately, desperately, desperately need Christian community. We need Christian community that only a church or a small group and obedient people like Ananias provides. Now, Ananias had trepidation, didn't he? He said, I don't know what this might mean for me and my family if I approach this man. But greater still was the voice of God in his life that said, if I don't do this, I'm even more fear of that. We think about it like this. We all need somebody. Who's your person? Who's your person? And are you plugged in as you should be? Who's your person? And are you plugged in as you should be? I don't know how many weeks we've talked about rooted over and over again, but that is a way, a means to get involved in a smaller mindset with a group of people, of like-minded people that will grow you and change you and transform you. And for many of us, that scares us because then we have to be vulnerable, right? Then we have to let people on the inside of who we are. Then we have to tell them our testimony. Then we have to be challenged to go and serve other people. Then we have to be disciples that are willing to do whatever it takes for the gospel message to reach the hearts of our friends and family we have to be willing to look outside of ourselves and say you know am i doing what god has called me to do and couldn't god do more in my life see i believe like paul god has a plan for your life so how are you following him daily what, what is keeping you from doing everything that He's calling you to do? What is keeping you from reading your Bible every day? What is keeping you from praying every day? What is keeping you from sharing your testimony of faith every day? What is keeping you from calling a brother or sister in Christ and saying, I'm here for you even when I can't do anything. I'll pray for you even when I can't do anything. I'll just listen to you. And if you need to cry or you need someone or you need an individual to come and do something, I'm willing to do so because God has given me more than I could ever give thanks for. So what's keeping you from living that way? Surrender. Surrender is a word that we don't often use a whole lot anymore, right? Surrender is something that, it, that has to be a very big hallmark of our lives as we say, God, I surrender to you and your plans for you to do what only you can in my life. God, I surrender to you saying that I can't do it, but God, you can do it. God, you can take little old me and do some great and mighty things if I'm willing to give my faith, my life, my everything to you, regardless of what might happen to me. See, Paul did that. 
Imagine the conversations that Paul had to have with the people who knew him as Saul, right? Imagine the conversations that he had, and, and they looked at him and said, aren't you that old boy that used to go around killing people and giving people and putting them in jail and doing all this? Aren't, isn't that you who said, I'm doing these things for all these reasons? And then he says, what? But let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you about Jesus in my life. Let me tell you what happened on my road to Damascus and I was forever changed. Let me tell you about Ananias. Let me tell you about my brothers. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. I will not be quiet. I will not stop talking about it. I will live in a manner worthy of the Lord, and if my life is taken, so be it, so that God is glorified. And so, surrender is required for us. And that's my challenge for you this morning. Surrender to God's plan in your life. You will never, one time ever, regret it. Because God is just that good. And God can do something in your life that is beyond your own capabilities if you have faith and if you trust in Him. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.